0: I'm John Beethan, the producer here, and I told you on the last episode number 148, which featured Pam Klein, that it was Kim Shea's last episode as one of the co-hosts here. Well, I was wrong, as I finally managed to revive this episode Kim recorded back in April 2021, which had lots of technical difficulties. And I do think you'll find this episode was absolutely worth saving. Mushroom Revival, featuring Alex Dorr, this is episode 149 on Alternative Health Tools, where together we discover alternative health care tools and explore integrative healing philosophies for both individuals and practitioners. Hi, this is Kim Shea, your co-host for this episode of Alternative Health Tools, coming to you from this side of the pond here in Southern California. Today is Tuesday, April 6th, 2021, and I get to speak to Alex Door today. He is the founder and CEO of Mushroom Revival. He's a mycologist, which means he knows a lot about mushrooms and he loves them. So I'm excited to hear a lot. As a plant lover, I'm excited about this. He has a podcast called the Mushroom Revival Podcast or just Mushroom Revival Podcast. And his website is mushroomrevival.com. And all of these links will be in the show notes so you can go check them out. So Alex, welcome so much to Alternative Health Tools. Thanks,
1: yeah, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you very much. Tell me about your background. How'd you get into this?
1: You know, it's, it's a long and winding story. Uh, <laughs> it, it's less of how I got into mushrooms and how mushrooms got into me. Uh, uh, but, but really it, it started with my own health journey. Uh, when I was younger, I got diagnosed with, with chronic depression, anxiety, and then, and then following Lyme disease. And through that journey, I committed myself to living and leading a healthier way of life. Uh, And through that journey, I discovered the supportive effects of functional mushrooms on overall health. And through that discovery and just through bettering my own health, it opened the door to all possibilities that mushrooms had. I read every book, took every class, watched every video. It finally led me to an internship that I you know, begged them that I'll, I'd work for free if, if they just taught me the ins and outs of functional mushrooms on, on an industrial scale, right? And so I saw a farm, I, I toured every farm um, in Nevada and California and all these different states uh, and, you know, took more classes. But it wasn't until I, I went to Ecuador, I was doing a uh, field study, studying micro uh, studying different ecosystems and and biodiversity in those ecosystems and in the amazon rainforest you can imagine there's a ton of mushrooms and so seeing just and i was in a part of ecuador at one point which was the most biodiverse place in the world and was finding mushrooms left and right and was just totally fascinated by them one kind of mushroom in particular called cordyceps, which actually grows out of bugs and it's pretty, it's pretty wild. It's right out of a sci-fi film and it just blew my mind and seeing these, these different ecosystems, uh, living in symbiosis was totally fascinating. But on the total flip side, I was seeing the anthropogenic effects on them or the human effects on biodiversity so you know we got oil drillers um people cutting down trees for lumber and the list goes on and on and it just really tore my heart open right and mm. i was seeing you know I was staying at this research station which was actually an old or a closing uh, oil drilling site and was seeing you know unlined pits of oil in this super biodiverse region and interviewing, you know, the indigenous Warani tribe that lived there and was just seeing how their way of life was being displaced by, you know, this this really toxic uh, industries. And also at the same time was reading how mushrooms can actually clean up oil spills. And, really? you know, just just really solve a lot of our world problems. And I was like, wow, I gotta do something, right? And just having that firsthand experience, I really knew I needed to go back home and do something. So I changed my major um, to mycology, got my degree in mycology and my final thesis. uh, I actually wrote a book uh, which was called the Microremediation Handbook. And this book was all about how Mushrooms and fungi can clean up toxic waste in our environment, and and kind of a grassroots guide of how people can grow mushrooms as well. And through that journey, it was it really brought up upon this ten thousand feet view of okay, what other ways can mushrooms and fungi really help the world and also people in it um, and their health and well being? So that's where mushroom revival started. And actually, in my basement, and then my living room, and then you know, um, <laughs> I was actually sneaking into the local university lab at midnight to use their equipment to start growing these mushrooms, and you know, making these different supplements, and you know, selling them to anyone that I could, mostly friends and family at that point. Um, but it it grew, and we ended up becoming. The largest and only certified organic cordyceps militaris mushroom farm in the americas and doing the first in the world ever research on that mushroom and, and all these different mushrooms and you know we've been in business for about three years i'm i'm the founder and ceo of, as you just said and we've grown from my my basement to being a, a global uh, business. We have connections all over the globe, uh, making these products and educating people, and and really making sure people know how incredible mushrooms are. So you know, we we focus on supplements right now, but it really goes beyond that. We we plant a tree um, for every product that we sell, and we've we planted it, it's coming upon forty thousand trees all around the world, and and wow and it. It warms my heart just hearing the reviews of people and and just knowing that we're planting the trees, uh, just making the world a better place with with mushrooms.
0: Yeah, it sure sounds like it. That's amazing. Yeah, your website's a little behind. I think it's like at thirty three thousand trees or something like that, which is a lot. But then thirty five thousand or forty thousand. Yeah, that's we're so we're much. about wow. to
1: plant ten thousand more trees in the next co- coming weeks uh, on Earth Day. So.
0: That is really, that's really admirable. That's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so, um, now you have on your website and by the way, if you're listening, you've got to check out his website. It is stunning. The pictures of the mushrooms are just so beautiful. Everything looks really pretty. And like the turkey tail mushroom is just gorgeous. These ribbons of color going throughout It's really very lovely. So let me ask you, um, when you're talking about supplements, your your supplements are mostly in the form of tinctures. Is that correct? If you could, let's say you had access to these mushrooms yourself, is it better to eat them yourself or is a tincture form better or does it make any difference?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm going to give a long answer to that question because I, I, I'm guessing most people who are listening are like, what the hell is he talking about with these mushrooms? What the hell is a tincture? Hold on. but like can you can you define some stuff? So, we're actually more closely related uh, to mushrooms or fungi than we are to plants. We ha- we share over fifty percent of our DNA with fungi, um, and fungi—that whole kingdom or queendom, also is yeasts, which you find in your beer or your bread uh, that you probably consume on a daily basis, and molds and and other things. Mushrooms are just the fruiting body of a fungus and what a fruiting body is, it's similar to an apple on an apple tree, right? Uh, It's only responsible for spreading the seeds or in this case, the spores and it's the fruit, right? And there's estimated 5 million species of fungi out there and we've only described or discovered 120,000 of them. So we're so new to the field of fungi or mycology or mushrooms. And out of that 120,000 species of fungi, only 14,000 actually produce these mushrooms or, or fruits, right. Oh. Um, and out of those 14,000, 50% are inedible, right? They're hard conks or, you know, crusts, uh, you don't want to eat them, right? You don't want to throw them in a stir fry. 25 are edible, but not really great, right? They might hurt your jaw a little bit, but you can get it down and it's not the greatest experience, you know, um, 20%, you can eat it, but it might give you an upset stomach. Um, it's not going to kill you, but you know, you might have some gastrointestinal problems later. Right. Uh, and then 4%, only 4% of that 14,000 are, are super tasty right? That, that you find in the grocery store that we're, you were just talking about that you want to throw in your stir fries, you want to throw in your salads maybe or or something else. And then 1% out of that 14,000, you know, ones that'll probably send you to the hospital. Um, there's a big chunk of that that won't kill you. Um, and then the other camp is the culinary gourmet mushrooms, such as button, cremini, uh, portobello mushrooms. And Surprisingly, button mushrooms, cremini mushrooms, portabella, and baby bella are all the same mushroom, same Latin name. They're the same exact mushroom, just picked at different stages. And button mushrooms, they're white, and cremini are, you know, a brownish color. It's only because button mushrooms are grown in the dark, and they lack that pigment. Um, But it's the same exact mushroom. (laughs) It's just... Yeah, it's just a marketing tactic that they use and they call them different names to, to get more money, but they're the same exact mushroom. And what's interesting is that you can actually turn these mushrooms upside down, uh, where the gills are, which hold the spores. Um, and you can flash UV light or even leave them out in the sun and the mushrooms can multiply their vitamin D content by four up to 40,000 times. And you can actually get your recommended daily amount of, of vitamin D by eating them. So, you know, they're also high in protein, ergothionine, essential vitamins and minerals, and they're really good for you. So some people might argue that this is a small form of a functional mushroom, right? It supports your health and wellness. But I, would, I wouldn't I would really classify them as functional mushrooms. Um, and But some functional mushrooms happen to also be gourmet so we get shiitake if anyone has that's pretty famous in you can find it at whole foods or um, any other health store Um, maitake also you can find in the store uh, but it's pretty rare lion's mane as well those three are functional mushrooms that have hundreds if not thousands of scientific um, research articles just demonstrating their functional benefits and also you can cook with them, which is great. You can cook them in stir fries and also find them in the supplement aisle in a tincture capsule um, or a powder to take as a supplement. And the you might be wondering, well, why would I want it in a capsule or a tincture if I can just cook it up, right? Well, the obvious difference between the two is concentration and extraction techniques. So with supplements, they're super highly concentrated, right? And you're, as a supplement uh, manufacturer, the goal should be right, to make the most concentrated form of this ingredient to get the most bang for your buck, right? You don't want to be swallowing 800 capsules uh, to get your recommended daily amount. You want the smallest amount to make it easy for the person. Um, and then the, the second part of that is bioavailability so you know um just eating them in a stir fry you're only going to get a fraction of the functional um, compounds that are bioavailable to your body Uh, whereas a supplement there there are you know extraction methods that have been developed over thousands of years and now with with the benefit of modern science we can track these specific compounds with specific extraction technologies to maximize that supplement. So a tincture is really great because you can absorb the compounds, um, sublingually. So underneath the tongue and this, if anyone has ever had a CBD oil, they would know what I'm talking about, where it's a liquid extract that you can hold on your tongue and you can actually bypass your liver. And this is great because you can absorb up to 98% of the functional compounds, whereas a powder, a capsule, you're lucky if you get 50%, right? Um, So it's a lot more bioavailable and it enters your bloodstream a lot quicker. Um, And the same goes as a benefit over cooking is that you're getting a lot more of the the compounds and a lot quicker into your system. Please do not put it in your eye. Um, It's, you can put it under your tongue or on top of your tongue. Um, or if, if you know, we get a ton of people putting it in their smoothies or their drink. Uh, and even mixologists, right? We have a calm blend that, you know, people love to put in a nightcap. And they make all these crazy uh, recipes with, with different alcohols and mixed drinks. So you can really get creative on, on how you use it. It's illegal or foot fungus or, you know, slimy mushrooms or... Mold on your bread, so it doesn't really have the best connotation for a lot of people. Whereas, you know, if you're in China, four thousand, five thousand years of rich history, um, and understanding and culinary recipes that use mushrooms all the time. So here in the U.S., we're pretty new to mushrooms, and so we thought we we wouldn't go beyond that. Those ten that were probably the most famous, and one of the first to add in three that we want to really popularize here in the U S um, but we use cordyceps. And, and so we have a product that's, that's entirely cordyceps for energy. Um, it's been used for thousands of years for um, athletic performance and energy, uh, different kind of cousins of cordyceps, but we focus on cordyceps militaris, which can be cultivated. Right. And that has been, Totally instrumental for my health and wellness, uh, of being, you know, um, founder of a business and, and working really hard and to having the energy to live my my daily life and and do all the tasks that I'm doing. Reishi is another mushroom that we work with. It's called the ten thousand year mushroom or mushroom of immortality, and it's one of the most famous mushrooms or functional mushrooms. It's the w- number one. Selling functional mushroom in the world. And it's notably used for supporting a sense of calm or, you know, supporting our our body's natural ability, um, or natural inflammation response due to, you know, post-workout or other like activities. Um, lion's mane as well is, is also really famous mushroom for cognitive support. And we have a, a product just with that as well for focus, right? Um, and then there's other mushrooms that we have. We have a, a daily 10, which is kind of like a multivitamin with 10 different functional mushrooms together: Cordyceps, reishi, lion's mane that I talked about, but also chaga, shiitake, maitake, turkey tail, wolfoporia extensa or Poria cocos, tremella, and mashima. Um, so they're all... You know, I'm 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 saying all these names, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Well, why the hell would I want to take mushrooms? And what are they good for?" So, system, they're they're champions at supporting our immune system, and they're most notably known as immunomodulators. So, bringing homeostasis to our immune system, which is super super important, and the other aspect of of why they're important. Is they' known as adaptogens, and adaptogens are herbs or mushrooms that support our body's natural response to occasional stress, right, and who doesn't need support for occasional stress i mean uh i I for one need it every day and and I'm sure most ninety nine point nine percent of people on the planet do as well so um, yeah the cordyceps it's funny because i have I have red hair and um, it's really long it's it's down to my waist actually and it, the cordyceps is an orange cheeto looking mushrooms and I always joke at like you know these events that we were selling um, people would comment on my hair and I would say you know yeah my hair used to be black and then you know I, I took these cordyceps and I, I just got this mane all of a sudden um yeah they they've been instrumental for for my health and well-being you know for my cognitive function for my energy uh, my you know, natural transition to get a good night's rest. I mean, it's super, super important with like Reishi um, and my body's natural inflammation response post-workout and, um, and that adaptogenic quality for occasional stress. I mean, it's so many benefits, um, you know, and just supporting my immune system and knowing my system is just operating at its full potential. And I'm not as worried, Uh, traveling or, you know, being around people, uh, you know, when, when there's seasonal change um, or things like that, I, I I feel really, really strong and it's, it's amazing, you know, having a company and seeing the reviews come in as well uh, of so many people just saying how it's changed their life significantly and that they've been trying all these things for like 40 years and they try mushrooms and they're like this is it this is you know you you can sign me up for life uh this is all i need um along with you know healthy lifestyle practices and and things like that but you know um it's it's really exciting you know going back to what i was first saying to see people's reactions and and seeing it actually work but at the same time having a positive impact on the planet Um, and knowing that it's not only making the world a better place for for human health but but also the the health of the planet as well
0: yeah that's that brings up a point then so you know sometimes when we're growing different things it can be very hard on the land on the soil it takes an impact on it there's a lot of fertilizer that goes into it a lot of water um i won't name any specific products but some things can be come at quite a cost to everything around it and the ecosystems around it and and then the mushrooms um i mean what's involved with growing a mushroom
1: yeah mushrooms are are one of the most eco-friendly um, or it can be crops that you can grow and you know how they work in our ecosystems they're the great recyclers right so without fungi organic matter would continue to pile up right um, they have the means to um, recycle uh really dense organic matter so when a tree falls in the forest right Fungi come along with the help of bacteria and create soil. Um, up to 70% of carbon wouldn't be sequestered in the soil without fungi. Uh, and, and this is one of the reasons I wrote the book, because they have such an, an amazing impact on our ecosystems to, to really solve a lot of our world's problems, right? With with carbon and, and toxic waste and things like that. And they really don't need to be grown with any fertilizers. I I don't know a single mushroom farmer that uses any chemicals. Um, Whereas plants, you know, some plants you need it. I don't know a single mushroom farmer that uses it because you don't really need to. They're, They're really aggressive and they love just decomposing organic waste. And with that, you know, a lot of the substrates that mushrooms grow on are agricultural waste. So we can use these waste products that would you know, um, would be thrown into landfills or even, you know, composted at best, we can compost it and, and still turn it into soil and also grow, um, functional ingredients and food. So that's what makes mushrooms really amazing to grow. And, you know, our reishi, for example, are grown on hardwood logs, uh, buried underground in these, these hoop houses, uh, on the sides of mountains uh, and with a you know natural springs coming through and it it's in the sun and no need for any fertilizers and we're 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 pretty uh, rigorous with our testing. you know all of our products are USda organic certified. We test for heavy metals up to six different times. We you know test for residual pesticides and and things like that because, there's always a chance with the wind it might blow over from another farm or or something like that. And, uh, yeah, they're, I I think they're an incredible gateway for people who want to learn how to grow at home. It's, they're really fun. They're, they're super fun and they are incredible teachers for appreciating death, you know? Um, and that's a topic that a lot of people cringe at, especially living in the United States or North America, we're really uncomfortable with the topic of death. But fungi are, are the great recyclers, right? Um, and the stewards of our planet. And there's a lot of beauty in decomposition. And through growing mushrooms, we can see that decomposition process happening and, and we can see life in a compost pile, Right.
0: That whole description was beautiful. (laughs) You're, you're an artist. It's interesting listening to you speak. It really is. It's like, you're, you love these in a, in a really beautiful soulful way. It's really nice to hear Um, the carbon. I wasn't aware that the soil held so much carbon. And so is it possible that mushrooms could be somehow um, functional for solving some of our climate change and, and global warming? Is that something that they can do too, in addition to helping us?
1: Yeah, I, I love to use the term global weirding, um, you know, and I think it goes beyond warming, right? And it goes beyond CO2. It, it's it's a lot of toxic chemicals and, and, you know, oil spills and using these really toxic chemicals that, that, that are incredibly persistent in our ecosystems and take hundreds of years um, or longer to start really um dissolving into their parts and and part of that decomposition that i was just talking about and the beauty of it is taking some of the most toxic substances on the planet and converting them to oxygen water uh co2 and their their most basic parts right and turning a really toxic landscape into something that you can grow flowers and food and and turn it into really a biodiverse region and fungi can help with that right so that's the study of mycoremediation and part to something called mycorrhizal fungi and mycorrhizal fungi are just fungi that connect to the roots of trees and plants up to 95 percent of terrestrial plants have this connection And it's really people refer to it as the wood wide web or the internet of the forest, because this connection to the plant roots, uh, allows for greater water sequestration and allows the fungi to mine different nutrients like carb or nitrogen in the soil, uh, and, and transfer it to plants and trade different nutrients with the plants and also connect with other plants in the ecosystem and so they're able to send messages and even nutrients uh, to other plants in the forest so if a plant or a tree is getting a ton of sunlight a ton of nutrients and one tree is in the shade it's not in, in the best soil environment the one tree can send nutrients to the other tree so it's really beautiful you know, uh, the way fungi interact in our soils and our ecosystems and that we can use it to clean up our mistakes, right? Um, there are fungi that we're finding that can even degrade plastic. And we're, we're finding, you know, dozens and dozens of different species that we can use to degrade different types of plastic. So the, the islands of trash and our oceans the size of Texas, we can start cleaning up and breaking down Uh, into you know um, safe parts with the help of fungi and bacteria and and solutions that are already in front of our eyes you know nature holds all the answers we just have to quiet down and and start listening that mechanism within themselves even without the help of fungi uh, there's a a great book called "The Secret Life of Plants and it's it's kind of an old book, but it describes a lot of of these stories and scenarios of plants have consciousness, right? And way more than we actually realize. And it's really, you know we can get kind of egoic in in our human you know, meat suits and we're thinking we're so smart and we're so intelligent and so conscious, but it really speaks to how unconscious we are and uns, unsophistic- unsophisticated uh, and not intelligent because we cannot communicate with the natural world and we have no idea what's going on around us. And it really, you know... Uh, the natural world has its own ways to communicate across species and we don't, you know, so that really speaks to how um, much we have to grow and, and how much we, we have to learn how to connect with the world around us. I think we're one of the only species that isolates itself and thinks we're actually separate from nature. And luckily we're figuring it out and I'm glad that we can, hop on this podcast and, and, uh, have people tune in and, and really start questioning, right? The world around them and, and connect with a whole kingdom or queendom, which is fungi, right? This is a whole kingdom or queendom, uh, of life on our planet that most people interact with if they drink beer or any, pretty much any fermented beverage, they are consuming fungi. In so many other ways, you know, cheese or or a lot of fermented things are used. They use fungi, right? Um, and so, you know, penicillin it it's derived from a fungi, you know, um, a mold, and it saved hundreds of millions of people's lives. Uh, and you know lsd even if if um you know some some of your listeners maybe were alive in the 60s and, and maybe experimented back in the day that even is derived from from fungi uh and so we interact with fungi we're even breathing in hundreds of, of mushroom spores every breath that we take and so whether we like it or not we're connected to the natural world and fungi uh and so that's really special. And I thank you for for hosting this show and, and to tell your audience about, you know, fungi, which is, is super cool.
0: It is really cool. And you've got a cool product and it's really neat to learn so much from you about it. So tell me about your podcast then. Is this, are, do you, are you interviewing other people or are you basically educating everybody and teaching during your sessions, your episodes?
1: Yeah, we, we mostly, so it's, Called the Mushroom Rev- Revival Podcast, and it's with my partner, who I actually met her at a mushroom conference, and we uh, grew the cordyceps together. And we um, our first date was actually uh, mushroom hunting, and we decided to co-host uh, this podcast, and we both love mushrooms, undeniably, and we have dedicated our, our lives to it so to be able to co-host the show together is is super special and um and so mostly we bring on guests and experts from all around the world on various topics whether it, it is microremediation that i was talk- talking about or functional benefits or you know fermentation or you know uh radioactive waste or i don't know a, a ton of different topics we have you know close to a hundred episodes right now in April, 2021.
0: And. Oh, wow. Congratulations.
1: Thanks. And it it's, it's really fun. We have some episodes that we just handle ourselves if we want to dive deeper into a topic. Um, but yeah, it's anything and all things mushrooms and, and fungi.
0: Sounds great. I'm going to have to add that to my playlist because I'm looking forward to that. I love learning about all the plants and everything, and and I had no idea the breadth of what mushrooms are doing and fungi are doing for the world, so I'm eager to learn more from you on that. Um, I do want to go back to your hair for a minute because I don't want to make it sound – no, because I want to be responsible here, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying this is your new hair product, but – wouldn't you say that if a person is really healthy on the inside, that the hair would be reflective of that? Like if you were in really poor health, that might be something that wouldn't you wouldn't see a gorgeous head of hair on something where the body is not getting all the nutrients that it needs and not getting all all the um, all the supplements that it needs that that is a reflective of your overall health in, in this case, not meaning you could not have hair and be in poor health, uh, or, you know, you can still be in good health and not have a lot of hair. I'm just saying that it seems to be reflective of the fact that you're in really good health with whatever you're doing and you're using mushrooms. So,
1: well, I appreciate that. And that be I, I'm, I'm not a doctor and I don't uh, know too much about hair. Uh, so, and I, and my hair routine is, is very, very minimal. So, um, yeah, I can't say that our, our products will, will get you a mane of, of hair.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Of course not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure I was clear on that too, where I wasn't saying this is your, this is going to solve all your hair woes, but it does seem to be that you you look very healthy. Thank so you. It seems to be whatever you're doing is is working for you. So, uh, what else do you want to tell us? Because I don't, I don't have anything else to ask and that's just probably ignorance on my part, but what, what else would you like us to know?
1: Hmm. Well, I think it's a cool story to talk about how mushrooms, how humans even discovered mushrooms, right? Um, And how our story began and really how mushrooms began in, in, in the first place. Right. Um, So, the earliest fungi ever found was was a billion years old. And, and over time, you know, around 500 million years ago, we get um, the first early plants start developing with this mycorrhizal fungi connection that I'm talking about. Um, But even before that, there's lichen. Uh, If anyone is, you know, you've probably seen it on trees or park benches that kind of um, green foliage kind of looking substance on the surface of rocks or um, trees things like that that's actually a symbiotic relationship between fungi and cyanobacteria or photosynthetic organisms and you know that was the early ancestors of plants that we see and with this first terrestrial symbiosis between fungi and this plant early plant life uh, we get all the plants that we see today right and this is really special uh, because it it really puts a lens on our natural world right it's they're not just trees they're not just plants they're this symbiosis of many different organisms and even ourselves we're about 90% Ninety percent other organisms, right? Are we're understanding more about our gut biome, right? And our microbiome um, of just billions of different probiotics and prebiotics and all these different, you know, um, uh, parts that make up our our biome. So this is really special to to look. You know, we're not just a human we're a a symphony of symbiosis. And if we look at the natural world around us, it's a symphony of many different organisms collaborating together. And many of the functional benefits that we think of when we think of plants, they're actually derived from fungi, right? So spearmint, the actual smell of spearmint is not really from the plant. It's, It's from an endophytic fungi inside the plant. Um, so a fungi that just lives in the cell walls of the plant and so as we dig into the natural world we're just discovering all these different layers of how all these different organisms are coming together and it's really a calling to us of hey we gotta get our shit together and and really come together let's stop creating a divide and you know creating these these invisible boundaries between ourselves and and, you know, uh, other organisms around us. Let's, let's work together. Let's create this, this really, this symphony, this, this, um, symbiosis with everything around us. And, you know, we find evidence of humans first consuming mushrooms about 20,000 years ago, uh, in, in Spain, and we found spores and, and an old, you know, remains of, of a human we find art about eight thousand five hundred years ago all around the world. Uh, whether there's are stone statues in Guatemala or you know um, cave paintings in you know Russia or wherever it is, we see art popping up everywhere across the globe, honoring fungi and, and mushrooms. The first human that we found actually carrying mushrooms was uh, in. in 3300 BC. And we get Otzi or Utsi the Iceman. He was carrying two different types of mushrooms, one called birch polypore, which he was using, they think, to clear intestinal parasites. And the other tinderconk. he was using to carry embers of a fire around. It's really cold. So to create fire is his only means of survival. And so we find that is is really important important and crucial of of yeah we we've used mushrooms for thousands and thousands of years for our health and survival right it, even in socrates in fifth century bc was talking about a garcon mushroom as a cure-all um and at the turn of the the century in 20 to 200 ad we get various texts in in china in traditional chinese medicine actually that the foundations of traditional Chinese medicine with the first and the second Materia Medicas, we're talking about various types of mushrooms and fungi. Uh, so we get the basis of herbalism and, and using these in a traditional way uh, in, in written texts, more so than Socrates and, and his writing was more philosophical, but uh, these Materia Medicas in traditional Chinese medicine was more in-depth. Um, And we we started as a whole culture, you know, as a global civilization to get a little more in depth in in the 1900s when we're developing a lot of these scientific procedures and equipment um, where, you know, penicillin in 1928, which I was just talking about, saved hundreds of millions of people's lives. Um, in 1932, we get LSD derived from an ergot fungus. In 1948, you get cyclosporin A, uh, which if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's um, uh, an immunosuppressant drug from tolipocladium and flatum, a type of fungus, uh, and they use it for organ transplants. So that actually made the practice of organ transplants possible uh, because before this drug, when people tried to do organ transplant procedure, the, the the person's body would reject the new organ um, because it thought it was a foreign substance, right? And it would reject the organ and they would die. With this drug, you're able to suppress that response enough to actually get a new heart or get a new Whatever, um, and it saved a ton of people's lives and, and made that procedure possible. Uh, then taxol, you know, we found some taxol-producing fungi, which is a pretty notable um, drug in and of itself. And you know, now we're starting to get into the shroom boom, right? Uh, especially in North America, with functional mushrooms and and just really shining the light of how cool are mushrooms, period, right, for cleaning up the environment, for creating new faux meat or alternatives to styrofoam. You know, let's make these innovative functional mushroom products to put in everything you can think of to support health and wellness. So we're starting to – really see functional mushrooms get the spotlight. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for everyone listening. And if you've gotten this far, pat yourself on the back, you are now inoculated. And I, I don't think there's a turning back for you. And I, I'm, I guarantee you, if you step out in the woods, you will start seeing mushrooms left and right, and you'll be amazed of why you've never seen them before. And you'll see all these colors and shapes, and, and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful world. Uh, and and welcome.
0: <laughs> Thank you. It's awesome to be here. It really is. I remember uh, my kids and I had read a book. Uh, I was I read it aloud to all of them called A Single Shard. But there's something about a tree ear in there, which is the the I don't know if you'd call it a mushroom or a fungus, where it kind of yeah, it out. It's beautiful perpendicular to the side of the tree and they're beautiful. And my kids would get so excited, like, Oh, look, 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 look. Cause they like to go see there was the yellow tree ear growing in a particular tree. And I've got some in the backyard, which are kind of pink, which I'd never seen before. But what I want to ask you is, um, I, I think it was last year there were these mushrooms growing up in my yard and I thought they were morels and I wasn't really sure. And I didn't have a book on it and then come to find out that's probably exactly what it was, but I didn't eat them because I was worried that they might be you know, toxic. But um, are there are there some good books out there that we could really rely on so we would know if there was a mushroom that we could identify it and be relatively certain that it was a, a safe mushroom to harvest? Yeah, and it, Or is that better left to the experts?
1: Totally. And, you know, I always say this, there's more poisonous plants than there are poisonous mushrooms. However, you know, you still shouldn't take that fact and then go out and, and start eating mushrooms uh, and when you're new to we're lucky. we're lucky that we have such a great relationship with plants right we can id broccoli we can id all these dozens of different vegetables and, and plants but when it comes to mushrooms we're so it's so foreign for a lot of people um especially like in north america where you know if maybe you had a grandpa in northern europe you grew up mushroom hunting with him and IDing different species but for most people, it's brand new. And for those people, I would really, even if you get a great ID book, a great one if you're living in the US is uh, The National Audubon Guide uh, of Mushrooms of North America by Gary Linkoff. That's an incredible book. And it, it's it, mostly, you know, depending on where you live in the US, that'll cover most of it. And you'll probably want to look for a specific guide in your local region. Um, but another great tip that you can do is to join local, you know, Facebook groups. There's a, there's a couple really good Facebook ID groups where you can take a a few pictures of underneath the mushroom on top and and to the side, just get all the angles and post it on there and say, Hey, I found it under this tree, um, at this time of the year and blah, blah, blah. Try to explain your environment and. There's a ton of people with a lot of experts who are in the group that'll post their, you know, um, identification of it and, and tell you if it's safe to eat or not. Um, and then with that as well, if there's probably a local mycology group uh, around you. If you if you're not living in the middle of nowhere and you're by kind of a major city, then most often than not, there there will be a mycology community. Uh, and you can join the group and there's probably forays where they go out in the woods and you can actually learn with, with these people. And it's a great experience just to get out in the woods, even if you don't find any mushrooms, just the forest bathe and, and to be out in the woods is, is really incredible. Uh, and just to, you know, move your legs and get out there. But I think those, those three resources are are great for beginners.
0: Okay. Thank you. That's helpful. Now getting back to your product, I know people who, I don't know what's wrong with them, but they don't like mushrooms. (laughs) They won't even eat them. Like if I cook with them, they won't even eat them. So do your products, your, your tinctures, do they taste like mushrooms? Is someone going to take some of that and go, Oh gosh, this is too much like a mushroom.
1: No. And you know what? My, my brother is one of those people and he takes our products. Um, I'm one of those people when it comes to, the button mushrooms or portobellas. I actually hate those mushrooms. And oh, it's really? funny okay. that I say that. I, I really like you. Really have to cook it the right way for me to eat it, um, or else it's really slimy. I just really, it's a really pungent taste, and mm-hmm. most ninety nine percent of people have no idea how to cook mushrooms, and they really mess it up. Uh, it's like Brussels sprouts or you know, um, eggplant, right. It's like 90, like if you mess up eggplant or Brussels sprouts, it's really bad. You know, if you you (laughs) cook it really well, it's really delicious, but most often than not, you can really mess it up or like corn tortillas. You can mess it up so easily. Right. Um, and so that's my relationship with, with, uh, button mushrooms And, and that's most people's relationship with, with mushrooms. That's they, all they know. They, oh, that's all they know. And, and they, they think of the yeah. slimy, yeah. really pungent mushroom. And they say, I hate all mushrooms, right? Cause they think that is all mushrooms, but mm-hmm. there are so many other mushrooms that you can try that are so delicious, like truffles. Oh my God. If know. you actually get real truffles, there's a lot of fake stuff on the market, which is, will give you headaches and it's not good. So get actual real truffles um shiitakes are really good maitake is delicious lion's mane um you can do an egg wash and a bread and it tastes like fish and chips like it's unbelievable it's like Mm. breaded fish um uh, and you know there's other just like black trumpets chanterelles really 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 delicious mushrooms um but our products we they have, depending on the mushroom, have an earthy flavor, but nothing like button mushrooms. Uh, I really don't okay. like that taste. And we add other things like lemon and ginger to, to help with the taste. Oh, nice. Um, and you know, uh, if it comes to it, a lot of people will put it in a drink, and they don't—they can't even taste the difference. Um, so even in a glass of water, you—you you drink it, you can't really taste. Um, our tincture, uh, and we're, and we're working hard on just releasing new and improved formulas all the time to to help you know the average Joe's who who are really particular with their taste buds um, to develop something really tasty uh, that can they can put in in every product.
0: Okay, well I am really excited to try these. So, and I'm I'm so glad that I found you. Uh, my co producer John Beathan introduced me to you in an email, and I said, oh please tell me this is mine and not yours because I was going to be really disappointed if I didn't get to talk to you. So, I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to talk to you and and it's just I love, I love talking to people who are just so passionate about something that they do and they know about. And what you are passionate about and know about is so valuable and so important on such a global scale. It's really it's really an honor to be able to talk to you today. Thank you. I'm really excited to to share this with everybody. Yeah,
1: and I'm You know, it's an honor to be here. And for everyone listening, if you do have more questions and this short podcast or long podcast wasn't enough and you still have burning questions that you you want to have answered, please reach out to our team. If you go to our website, uh, there's a contact. And we have a whole team of super knowledgeable people that will geek out with you and answer any question that you have. Um, And if you do want to try our products, you can use a code, alternative health tools, all uppercase, uh, for 10% off. Um, if you do want to try our products and, and, um, so yeah, we're, we're always here. If you have any questions about our products or just mushrooms in general, like, as you can tell, I love talking about mushrooms and we will, we'll, we will talk your ear off if if you want that.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. And also, like I said, if you want more, he's got a podcast that's there on the website and also a blog. And uh, sound looked like there were some really interesting topics that you cover in there as well. So so I thank you for your time today, Alex. This is Alex Dore, who's been with us from Mushroom Revival, and just very, very knowledgeable about mushrooms and what they can do for you and, and just open up your world. Thanks, Ken. So thank you for joining us. Thanks.